We forecast prices and fundamentals. Whether you're a trader, producer, or consumer, you can hedge your bets with Montel's diverse forecasting portfolio. Contact us at salesatmontelnews.com for more info and a free trial. Hello listeners and welcome to the Montel Weekly Podcast, bringing energy matters in an informal setting. In today's pod, we again turn to fairly dramatic price movements in the European carbon market. This week, prices have risen above 38 euros from around 32 at the start of the week. Madness, say some, pointing to the role of speculators such as funds in driving prices up. The Wild West, some traders have told us. Or are, maybe, the high prices a natural reflection of the EU's ambitious climate targets. But what has driven prices to rise by more than 6% a day in several sessions this week and close to 70% since November? I'm Richard Swarrison, and helping us to unravel the reasons behind the current bullishness in carbon is Ingwil Sohus, analyst at Renfinitiv. A warm welcome to you, Ingwil, and it's very good to have you back on the pod. Thank you, Richard. It's very good to, to be here. Just before we delve into the details of what's what's going on in the EU ETS, how, how's life treating you in the in these COVID times? Yeah, I guess fairly well. Based in Norway, I think we can't complain too much. Trying to get out of the city in the in the weekends and and get some air and can really breathe in the in the weekends. So um, yeah, I think it's uh, okay. Miss my colleagues in real life, but. Uh, I guess that goes for all of us. Absolutely. I'm sure there's snow in the in the forest around Oslo, which must help as well. Yeah, I'm a winter person, so winter is fine with me. <laughs> excellent, excellent. But let, let's get down to what's happening in the market, carb market. The the last time we spoke, price around 28 mm-hmm. uh, euros a tonne. So they've risen quite dramatically since then, and especially this week or, or this year. So what, what, what are the main drivers at the moment? Yeah, good question. As you said, last time I was here, we were below 30. And we saw kind of a quite strong, strong uptrend from uh, November and throughout the year. Maybe I can kind of touch upon that price increase slightly first, and then I'll, I'll jump over to what's happened this year. But first and foremost, kind of in December, we had the conclusion that member states supported at least 55% climate target for Europe. European Commission already put forward their proposal or what they recommended in September. But in, in December, member states, which kind of are really the ones that decides this eventually, said that, OK, we have an agreement, we can support at least 55% target. And then there were more kind of specifics for the carbon market that, for instance, the auction. Normally, you have a supply coming to the market via via daily auctions. And then in half of December, there are no auctions because of lower supply over the holidays. But they normally resume again then in, in beginning of January. But in November, we already knew that those were going to be delayed. The European Commission said, well, the 2021 auctions will start either in the end of January or beginning of February. So also knowing that we went into this normal supply break, but that the supply break was going to be quite much longer than previously or in previous years was another supportive factor for this uptrend November and December. And then you had cold 
cold beginning to December. And then you saw also kind of big movements in the in the gas market, and and carbon has followed that quite quite closely as well, especially kind of in the front front month contract. And also kind of going into this this year was an uh, quite kind of a cold start to the year. And we've seen carbon follow quite closely and movements in the energy complex. So it's been more kind of, uh, at least in the beginning of the year, it's been more kind of carbon taking cues from, from the gas market rather than other energy commodities are taking cues from carbon. So that's really kind of uh, has been been kind of the start of the year. We kind of have hit, we hit then all-time high, kind of new all-time high, both in December and also in the beginning of January, and with prices uh, going up above 35 euros. And then we saw kind of a dip, dip in prices when we saw easing of the of the gas uh, in the gas market. And then it also has been these auctions, or kind of uh, that I was telling you about, that they re- returned to the market on the 29th of of January. And of course, also this psychological effect that auctions are returning to the market is also then sometimes kind of, or at least market participants are a bit on hold to see how these kind of fresh, fresh supply to the market is then soaked up. And then they return and kind of the two first auctions last Friday or 29th of, uh, of January. And then on Monday this week, so quite disappointing auction results declared kind of considerably below the uh, secondary market. And we saw prices reacting to both declaring price and also the the uh, interest in auctions. So, of course, after this big increase in prices from, from November to December, it's, uh, and also you saw kind of weakening fundamentals might kind of have made people building up some short positions. And then when on Tuesday we had this massive increase in prices, or it started on on Tuesday, this uh, massive increase in prices. I mean, it was once one. It was the uh, bullish auction, so the auction results were quite kind of optimistic and quite good. So you could see kind of that sparked the upward move. And then also you had bullish news reports uh, where hedge funds were betting on the hundred euro carbon price already this year. So I think kind of. The spark was maybe the auction result and then was just like amplified by bullish news reports on hedge funds saying that, well, we might see a hundred euro carbon price already this year, which then probably some market participants then were kind of caught on the wrong foot and had to cover their short positions. Yeah, and that's kind of uh, continued on uh, yesterday. I mean, it was this crazy moves uh, I mean, it wasn't any changes, uh, dramatic changes to the fundamentals. So, so it seems to be kind of a bit speculative driven, at least kind of the few last days. Uh, and of course, when people are, when you have a short squeeze on top of that, just amplifying the, the bullish move. Yep. I mean, we're, we're recording this on, on Thursday. And so you're referring to the moves on Wednesday and Tuesday specifically, I, I guess, Ingrid. But um, I mean, I think it's interesting when you mention the auctions, because when, uh, you know, in, in December, the lack of auctions was cited as a bullish factor. And now now the auctions themselves are a bullish factor. So it, it's quite an interesting change. Yeah, it is. I mean, we have different periods in the carbon market where on some days the daily auction results will have a huge impact on the price movements. And then you have other days where the auction results don't kind of have impact on a on, uh, big impact on carbon prices. But I think especially kind of when you have this startup where startup of the auctions where maybe the market is a bit uncertain of how 
will this auction now be soaked up? What is the interest, etc.? Is then bringing more direction to the market than in other periods. And also it was a bit uncertainty also this year because on the 29th of January, you started with the first phase four auctions coming to the market. So the UTS is then trading in different phases. Phase three ended in 2020. And now you started this new trading phase now in 2021. And also when you change between two phases, it's like some specific things, for instance, that you can't use phase four allowances for your phase three compliance. So you have to do compliance for your emissions in now in um, the reporting is in end of uh, end of March and you have to be in compliance in the end of April. But uh, for instance, these EUAs that comes to the auctions now in 2021 cannot be used for for your 2020 compliance uh, obligations. So that's kind of a, just a specific thing this year. So I guess also that was, okay, what is the interest for these allowances that are hitting the market but cannot be used for compliance now in April? I mean, I, I think that, that that's very interesting, Ingrid. And, uh, and I think, you know, for those out there who, you know, who don't have your knowledge and the expertise of, of the technicalities of the ETS, what, what should they be looking for in the auctions? When are they significant and when are they not? Yeah, good question. I mean... Uh, <laughs> It varies really day on day. So I can't really say this period of time auctions are significant and this period of time uh, auctions are not significant because suddenly they will only take uh, cues from equity markets or uh, someday they will take only directions from the gas market. So it's uh, really kind of tricky. They're jumping a bit kind of bit back and forward, but often we see it's at least kind of giving some directional signal or intraday and not necessarily setting kind of the direction for the whole day, but that they give intraday directions. They're clearing at 11 every day on now it's only EX with EU common auctions on Monday, Tuesday and Thursday. And then you have the Polish auction on Wednesday and the German auctions on Friday. And the, the Polish auction out, out turned very much higher than market expectations, which caused this big surge in prices, if that's right, this week. Yeah. So, Ingrid, I, I mean, I think um, you, you mentioned media reports of sort of hedge funds. Who are, who are these speculators and have they just entered the market or have they been a while and they've chosen their moment to become active? Yeah, good question. I think we've seen kind of the entry of uh, financials or kind of the non-compliance uh, participants into the market and uh, maybe already started in 2018 when we had the tripling of the carbon price after being absent in the market for quite a lot of years when you didn't see much movements, you didn't see kind of any volatility. So They've been in the market earlier and then uh, I think kind of uh, 2018, that kind of when you saw p- prices were tripling and to, to the outside world that were more more of those entering the market. Of course, kind of we've seen quite a lot of vol- volatility also in the market, especially then yeah, 2019, 2020. 2019 was much linked more to the fundamental picture than other markets maybe. Last year, we saw kind of maybe the opposite, where the fundamental picture became quite weak. I mean, you started off the year quite weak with um, mild winter and a lot of renewables, but carbon held up quite quite impressively. And then you had a coronavirus hitting Europe, and it was quite uh, clear that the demand or the emissions in Europe was going to be significantly lower in 2020, but still kind of it was only dipping down to 15 euros and then it was climbing up to, together with equities. 
which kind of also may maybe kind of an in, in indication that we're maybe not that much demand from compliance buyers, but an, a, a different group of investors in in the market. And I think also that it's, um, I mean, I think the enabler of why we see prices are being at the uh, level they are now is, of course, climate ambition with the Green Deal of Europe and now kind of uh, renewed confidence in the EU. Yes, after you've seen substantial emission reductions and both kind of in 2019 linked to kind of this fuel switching taking place, which reduced emissions. So I think kind of investors are seeing this as a market that it's going to be tighter year for year. And with the rise ambition as well, that's going to kind of have to deliver on those climate ambitions, which then makes then perhaps kind of carbon an attractive asset for investors or f- financial investors. Absolutely, Ingrid. I think we've seen also in the news recently in the few days of uh, you know a set of investors uh, at Reddit, uh, you know, a- aggressively positioning themselves against the hedge funds. Mm. Have you seen any of that activity in carbon? Well, I can't say that we've seen that directly, but of course that was brought up. We've seen kind of discussions popping up after now the price has moved quite substantially like 16% over two days or something. Then, of course, people were, were pulling up kind of the GameStop is, is carbon uh, carbon market and the EUA, the new GameStop. So, of course, but I think also it's uh, fair to say that it's, uh, I think there are a lot of hedge funds that also have taken long, long position betting on a higher carbon price. Yeah, I, th- I think yeah, it'd be far too simplistic to say <laughs> it's, the, it's, uh, it's a similar, similar position, but it's, it's an interesting time. Um, you know, when you, you're seeing so much activity in other related markets, you, you mentioned gas, but of course, you know, what's happening in equity markets and, uh, you know, in silver and, and GameStop. But um, mm. what's going to happen in the coming weeks and months? Wh- what are your expectations for, for the first quarter? I mean, as we go into, you know, at the end of the first quarter, we'll see the verified emission data coming up, uh, etc. But uh, what do you expect in the coming weeks? Probably it's safe to say it's going to be a volatile ahead, time ahead. Uh, yeah, I think we can say definitely that it's <laughs> going to be volatile. I mean, uh, we could see some profit taking after the sharp price, but it's uh, kind of yesterday's price move or sorry, Wednesday's price movement brought brought carbon price up to this bullish trend channel that uh, carbon price have been following since since beginning of November. So in that sense, I think it's fair to say that the bullish trend is back and supporting that prices could go higher. I think there are a couple of things that are supportive. You mentioned the verified emissions and this specific rule, as I I mentioned, that you can't use phase four allowances for phase three uh, compliance. And running up to the verified emissions, I think that will be supportive. I think also kind of focus on the policy framework. I mean, you now know the overall target of 55% or at least 55% target. The uh, European Commission will put forward a proposal in in September how kind of the framework for EUTS or, or their proposal on how the framework should look like to meet this new new target. And I think, I mean, earlier this week you had the Environment Committee in in the Parliament talking about carbon border adjustment mechanism, saying that they would rather see kind of this um, carbon border tax or carbon border for for import to Europe, creating this more levelized playing field for industrials and that minimizes the, uh, the risk of carbon leakage. And then you can remove also the free allocation or the aim should be to reduce the free allocation to industry. So I think there will be a lot of these kind of discussions that will kind of take place uh, running up to, to the proposal in summer and also kind of after the summer 
So I think these might be be supporting. And also for, for the industry specific, it's uh, normally they will receive their free allocation uh, starting to hand, uh, be handed out in, in end of February. But uh, this year, that won't happen until maybe Q, end of Q2. So for, for industrial players as well, they, they maybe not know completely the number of free allocations they will get. And they know also that it will be tighter going into phase four with, I mean, one is the uncertainty of how much they will get now with the, with the framework that is up and running now, but that, that might also be changed when you revise the whole legislation, making them also kind of um, at least unwilling to sell and maybe also putting up kind of different hedging strategies than we have previously seen from the industry players. So I think there are kind of less people that are willing to sell, <laughs> but probably increasing a number of uh, participants are, are willing to buy and and uh, go into this, enter this market. You forecast prices for this year to average 33 euros. Have you revised this at all? I know you, you mentioned talk of 100 euros and I've seen figures of 65 and, you know, some other numbers out there, but... Uh, have you revised your outlook at all? No, we haven't. I think it's, uh, I mean, one spike of uh, up to new heights of 38. I mean, we expect it to be quite volatile market. But of course, if this establishes itself as new highs now, then of course we need to look into to see if we will revise our price uh, price forecast. But we're trying to kind of stay a bit cool and see really kind of because that's the yearly average is not necessarily kind of what we see in, in February, beginning of February. Absolutely. It's a time for cool heads, Ingrid, for sure. Yeah. But um, you mentioned the targets being discussed now at uh, the EU level. I mean, we published a story on Montel News this week saying that a possible delay in, in the debate around the, the, the targets for 2030, the 55 or 60, with the council and some of the some of the MEPs are uh, not in agreement here. It's, would this, would a delay, would that impact prices at all? The delay in the discussions? I mean, that's under the climate law uh, that they're discussing now with the climate neutrality target of 2050. And of course, they want to also kind of pinpoint the 2030 target. And and as you say, the parliament, they voted in favour of a 60% uh, target, while member states are kind of supportive of a at least 55% target. We in Repinitive, in my team, we kind of, think it will be really kind of the member states that are setting this uh, 55. It will be the member states that will have the final word in in the final target. So so we think kind of that will be at least 55 in the end. So in that sense, we don't necessarily see kind of even though the discussions between member states and the, and the parliament is dragging on. It seems like kind of the rest of the process is, is following the time frame as it's uh, set up. I mean, because it's such a large package that will come out in in uh, September. One thing is kind of the uh, what's happening to the UTS, but it's all all other legislation also that needs to come out to support a, a more ambitious target. For instance, renewable targets, energy efficiency targets, what's happening in with the non-traded sectors. So it's all these kind of policy documents that needs to be revised in order to support a more ambitious target, and of course. Time, time matters because <laughs> policy making making processes is, is uh, taking quite a lot of time. And I mean, you would in the end like to implement the new policy as well, and then you have to start kicking off uh, that quite soon. So we don't necessarily see, but of course there are a lot of policy risk uh, coupled to kind of the specifics around how the EUTS eventually will look like. 
I mean, just remembering how how difficult it was to to agree on how the framework should look like after when you had the phase four review uh, that kicked off already in 2015 and with an agreement in, in 2018. So, of course, it will take time before we have all the details, but uh, we don't necessarily see the climate law, like the discussions on the trilogue being delayed, that that will delay the whole process. And of course, this is all exacerbated by the uh, by the COVID-19 pandemic, which also, you know, could potentially slow things down a bit. But just a final question for you, Ingrid, you know, since we last spoke, you know, the UK has, has said, you know, it will establish its own EU ETS uh, or UK, UK ETS, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> not, not EU one, uh, obviously not. That's the last thing it wants. When do you expect this to be up and running? And in the meantime, will UK operators have to hedge themselves in, in the uh, EU ETS? Uh, good question. I don't think we necessarily, uh, we don't have any expectations of when it will, when the details will come. But of course, they will come eventually, uh, making an again a hard time for compliance uh, operators to the then UK ETS. It's been quite a lot of years with big uncertainties for those compliance players that have been then a subject to the UTS first and now will be subject to the UK ATS. I think it's an interesting question if they, they will hedge against EUAs, probably some. I think we had kind of a, a report from a utility this week saying that they would not hedge EUAs going forward. So it's, um, it's probably a kind of a mixed strategy because you really don't know what the price of a UKA will be in the end. And of course, the, the EUAs are um, quite expensive at the moment. Ingrid, thank you very much for joining the Montel Weekly Podcast this week. It's a, it's a fascinating overview at a very dramatic time in the market. And I, I'm sure there'll be more occasions like this when we can come and, uh, and discuss with you about uh, what's happening in the market. So thanks once again for, for joining us this week. Thank you, Richard. So listeners, you can now follow the podcast on our own Twitter account, aptly named the Monto Weekly Podcast. Please direct message, any suggestions, questions, or, you know, let us know if you if you think you have a good idea for a guest on the show. You can also send us an email to podcast at montelnews.com. Lastly, remember to keep up to date with all that's happening in energy markets on Montel News. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you and goodbye.